I'm Todd Starnes, and I have the wonderful privilege to be the pastor of Odessa First Assembly. And we are grateful that you're joining us for this podcast. It is growing and it's exciting. So please take time to like, to follow, to share whatever social media platform you're joining us on. I'm excited about this series. We are looking at Passover to Pentecost. What happened in between the resurrection and the ascension? And then what happened on the day of Pentecost when the church was birthed? I pray that these messages will bless you, encourage you. So let's jump right in to this week's message. groundwork a little foundation but uh there's 40 days after the resurrection to when jesus ascended and then 10 more days until the 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 day of pentecost we've been looking at those 40 days what did jesus do what did jesus teach during that 40 days there were 11 occurrence 40 days 11 encounters that people had with jesus during that 40 days there was mary magdalene at the tomb there was other women that came. We can read, you can read about that in Matthew chapter 28. There was Peter in Jerusalem, Luke 24, 1 Corinthians 15. You can read about that. There were the two on the road to Emmaus. We actually, I preached on that a couple of weeks ago. Jesus first appeared to uh, 10 disciples. It was behind closed doors. And then, because Thomas wasn't there, and then he appeared again to the disciples, all 11 of them at the time. Uh, there was a time where seven disciples were fishing. We see that in John. Eleven disciples on, on the mountain uh, in Galilee. Uh, there was a crowd of 500 that Jesus um, appeared to. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus appeared to his own brother in uh, James. You can read that about in 1 Corinthians 15. And of course, those that watch Jesus ascend. If you take the last chapter of every gospel, the reasons I should talk about that 40 days, and that's kind of where we've been focusing on. And one of the reasons I share that information, I, just as just over the last few weeks, just been praying, you know, I, the, the promises of God's word and what we see in scripture, it, it is so wonderful. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And Jesus always meets us right where we are. And when we look at Scripture and we look at the Bible, there's something we understand is that if, if the only space that we dwell in is for Scripture or the promises of God to meet a felt need in our life. Now, does he do that? Absolutely. But I think sometimes we get stuck in that space, and it really hinders our growth. It really hinders our maturity. Are you following what I'm saying? Listen, we all go through struggles. We all go through difficult circumstance. Those things kind of can be wrapped up in what we call felt needs. But the scripture, the word of God, or in our faith, bigger than that. And we want to continue to grow and to mature in our faith. I mean, we're going to share, we're going to look at it again a little bit later in the sermon, but one of the, one of the great verses of scripture, Romans 10, 17 but faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We need to hear the entire Word of God. But as we look at this, I want you to remember that uh, Jesus told the disciples, right? Over three years, he was telling them, listen, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be tortured. 
I'm going to be ridiculed. I'm going to be whipped. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be killed. But I'm also going to rise again from the dead. He, they, the disciples, they've been hearing this. And, and, and he's been teaching them this. And then we get to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. The tomb is empty. Angels have appeared. And Jesus even appeared to some on that first day. Four different encounters. And yet the disciples are still struggling with their belief. Luke, and I want us to look at a couple of examples. Luke chapter 24 and verse 9. Luke 24 and verse 9. We start to read, And returning from the tomb, they told all the things to the eleven, and all, this is the ladies that had went to the tomb, all the eleven and the rest. And that was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women who were with them that told these things to the apostles, but these words seemed to them an idle tell. And look what I've, the emphasis is mine that I've added. And they did not believe them. So here's this group of ladies that come and they're like, listen, Jesus, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He rose from the grave. They're telling not just the 11 disciples, but there's a few others that are there. And it says... They think it's story time. They don't believe them. They think it's an idle tale. They did not believe. Skip down to verse 36. And they were talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. And they were startled and they were frightened because they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? This, Jesus tell, asked them, why are you? Why does doubt arise in your heart? And I think Jesus is being very gracious right here. I mean, he's, if you read between the lines, he's saying, listen, guys, I've been telling you for three years what was going to happen. I've been telling you for three years they were going to kill me, but I was going to rise again. Why are you surprised that I'm standing here? And I want to remind you just for a moment, church, to never forget what God has promised you. Never forget what God has said to you. Never forget what God has stirred in your spirits and in your heart. And the circle tell you, listen, we're going to go through stuff and doubts are going to arise and, and the circumstance are going to counter all the facts that we see, but you've got to depend on God's word. You've got to depend on what he has said. It might not happen in the time frame that you want to happen, but God's going to make it happen in his timing. He will never deny a promise that he's given you. Ever. Why does doubts arise in your heart? And that, I mean, man, sometimes God does a work in us, and then all of reality shouts different. Has he, am I the only one? Am I just preaching to myself this morning? I, I, it's like everything I encounter is counter to what I believe God has spoken to me. Why do you let doubts arise in your heart? He says, see my hands, see my feet. That it is I myself touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones that you see that I have. And when he showed him, listen, said this. He showed them his hands and his feet. He said, he's showing them, listen, I've got a physical body. And while they still 
disbelieved. They still disbelieve. And I think Scripture goes on to say that they disbelieve for joy and were marveling. I think this is more like shock is setting in now. I think they're more like, uh, 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 Jesus? <laughs> you know? But there's still that hint of, is this for real? And then he asks, of course, you know, when you rise from the dead, you know, it makes you hungry, and so have you anything to hear to eat? They gave him a piece of, they could at least fry the fish, but they gave him broiled fish, and he ate it. Then he said to them, these are my words that I have spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And, uh, and so what I want to do, I, I want to move back earlier into Jesus' ministry in an encounter in Mark chapter 9. And I love this portion of Scripture because what I want to talk to you this morning is about having that to believe, to have that belief of that God's word is true, that what he's promised he'll bring about. In Luke 9, beginning in verse 14, and so this is right after the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus had just took three of his disciples up there. This is happening right after that. They come down. If you want to read that part of the account, and then in verse 14, and when they came to the disciples, because it was three of the disciples with Jesus, and then they meet up with the rest of them, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him and asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, teases him, it brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And from childhood, and it's often cast him in the fire and the water, destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can, why will you, if you can, believe all things are possible? All things are possible for the one that believes. In me, the father and child cry, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. And I think maybe that confuses a lot. It's like, okay, how is it that you can believe, but have unbelief? How does that partner together? How does that come together? The word doubt means hesitate, to have a lack of conviction about something. That should trigger maybe a little memory that faith is the exact opposite. Faith is having a conviction about something. But doubt is to have a hesitation and have a lack of conviction about something. The word doubt in the Bible but comes from a word, I, I don't do this very often, but I think this is significant. 
The Greek word is the sazo, the sazo, and it means two ways. It means two ways. And so doubt, when we're looking and you see that Greek word through scripture of stories, that where there's doubt that comes in, the Bible is saying that there's a hesitation, there's a lack of convention, conviction, and there's, there's, they, they see things two different ways. It's the picture of someone standing at a crossroad and hesitating which way to go. Double vision. Abraham is known as the father of faith, and yet he doubted. If he hadn't doubted, he wouldn't have slept with Hagar. I almost said Sarah. He, they wouldn't have tried to get the promise through another means. King David doubted of his actions, and David was angry because what happened was is that David was bringing the ark home, the symbol of God's presence, and Uzziah touched the, the ark to keep it from falling over, and the Lord struck him dead, and David was confused. He was angry. David, The Bible actually says David was had this because the Lord had broken out against Uzziah, and David was afraid of the Lord that day. He was had this wrestling going on inside of him. Moses doubted when God wanted to use him to lead the children of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, and that's how Aaron came into the picture. The disciples doubted. Thomas doubted. I, I don't know why we give Thomas such a difficult time about you know doubting Thomas. They all doubted. We just read the scripture. John the Baptist doubted. He had been, you know, the, the one that comes before. And then he gets arrested for preaching truth. And then he's in the prison and he starts doubting. He's like, somebody go ask Jesus if it's really him. All right, I mean, am I really here for the right reason? Even John the Baptist doubted. We know that Peter doubted. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 14? You know, they're in the boat, and Jesus, you know, is there on the water. In verse 28, you, you know, the, Jesus is there. He says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. came to Jesus. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. I mean, that's still, like, that just brings out the kid in me. I mean, I think about it. I love fishing. I think about it all the time, about Peter stepping out of that boat and walking on water, God, I mean, okay, no, all right. Maybe it doesn't fascinate you, the much it fascinates me. He said, come, and so Peter got out of the boat, walked in the water, came to Jesus, and when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He starts to sink. That's the, the not so. That's that lack of conviction. That's that being doubled vision. How was Peter doubled vision? Because he saw Jesus but he also saw the waves. Are you following me this morning? He saw Jesus, but he still saw, his eyes began to focus on the circumstance that he was in. Peter looks around, he hears the wind, he, he feels it. The, I, I'm sure he's getting wet. Comes Peter's single vision toward Jesus becomes double vision, and he begins to sink. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and took him and saying, Oh, if you little faith, why do you doubt? Why do you have double vision? Why do you see two different ways? Why are you giving the circumstance the same status 
that you're giving me? Why are you giving the circumstance the same status that you're giving me? All these men had their doubts, but you know what? They still encountered the promises of God. They still encountered victories. They still encountered God doing great things. You see, doubt is part of the human condition. Thank you once again, Adam and Eve, for your ministry. We appreciate it. Amen. Okay. We were not created to have doubt. We were not created to, to uh, doubt God. We were created to know God. We were, we were created to have unrestricted access to God. But the enemy, he interrupted things, didn't he? Are you really sure that's what God said? Is that really what God meant when he said that to you? Listen, I'm going to tell you, to doubt at times is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of our humanity. Doubting is something we just do sometimes, and it's something we have to overcome. Sometimes we believe, and we have to say, Lord, but help my unbelief. I know you've asked the questions. Is there really only one way to God? How could God ever allow this kind of suffering? The church is responsible for so much hurt and injustice. How can a loving God send people to suffer? Why would God allow this or that? Why would God allow me to suffer? Why does God not answer my prayers? Why has life got to be this hard? Why does God bless others but not me? Why does God heal others but not me? Why does God do miracles for somebody else but not me? Has anybody ever been there? If you want to overcome your doubts, then you have to believe in the promise before you have the proof. If you want to overcome your doubts, you have to believe the promise of God's word before you have the proof. It's verdict first and then evidence second. I'm preaching really good right now. You look at me like Catherine Newgate. Verdict first, evidence second. We're surrounded by tragedies. We're surrounded by circumstance. We're, we're surrounded by problems. I know this. Uh, uh, listen, we all have battles that we're going through, and we all have good masks that we like putting on. It touches all of us. But listen to me. The promise of Scripture says, I think about, you know, it's in Isaiah that, uh, you know, you'll pass through the waters and I'll be with you. You're not going to drown. You're, he, he says you're going to go through the rivers, but they're not going to overwhelm. Has anybody ever walked through a river when it's like rushing and you've got to really brace yourself? He says the rivers, what's going on in your life, you, I know that you feel like it. But it's not going to overwhelm you. I, know you. I know you're getting wet. I know you feel that pull of the tide. I know that you don't feel stable because of the rocks that you're walking on. But I'm not going to let it overwhelm you. I've got you, child. He says, faith 
Faith and sickness. I mean, the scripture, I'm the Lord and a miracle working God. It is all through scripture. I'm the Lord God that heals you. Many may be your afflictions, but I deliver you from them all. By his stripes, we were healed. Listen, I know, listen, when we're in the middle of the pain of sickness or whatever we're going through, it's hard not to focus on the symptom, but don't make the symptom bigger than God. Focus on him. Number two is this. Doubt is knowing God can, but not if he will. Some of us live really well right there. We know that God heals. We know that God can do it. We've seen God do it for other people. We've seen others, their prayers answered. We've seen others have great breakthroughs. But doubt is knowing God can, but it's still wondering, it's that doubt if he'll do for you. Church, what he's done for one, he'll do for another. He will, what he's done for one, he, see that price was packed for all of us. Doubt is recognizing the facts, but we still got to know that God can do it and that God will do it and that he will come through. And so it is sometimes we get really hard on ourselves because we're like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we tend to get in this place where we feel unworthy for God to do any of it for us. But it's okay to come to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I, I know that you can, but I need you to do something in me right now where I know that you can for me. I mean, this guy, he runs up to Jesus, he's amazed. I mean, he already brought him to the disciples. It didn't happen there. I mean... That's where a lot, of, a lot more doubt would creep in, don't you think? I mean, here's the guys that have been hanging out with Jesus. And so I'm bringing my son to him for this deliverance, and what I need to happen didn't happen. That's where a lot of people give up. But Jesus stepped on the scene. I said, but Jesus stepped in the middle of the situation. <laughs> We must not allow our doubts to keep us from taking our needs to God. I, you know, I really don't know what, I think sometimes we, I mean, I don't, do we not want to bother God with what we're going through? I mean, God already knows what you're going through. Do, I mean, sometimes we feel like we're not worthy for God to answer the, the prayer for us, the need we have. Well, see, maybe so, there's nothing that you can do to make you worthy, but Jesus' blood makes you worthy. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we struggle with this doubt of, I mean, does God hear me? Does God see me? Listen, hold on. God sees you. He knows you exactly where you are. To overcome doubt, our faith needs to be tenacious. I like that word. It needs to be tenacious. What does that mean? That means even though that we're getting wet, 
even know that the waves are bigger than we are, even know that we're surrounded by a cloud of circumstance, we can't see our way through it, even know that it feels like, and that sometimes it's just a weight unbearable, get, let your faith get tenacious and say, I see all the circumstance around me, but I still know what God's word promises me. I still know what he spoke to me. And be tenacious about your faith. If God has promised you anything, then get tenacious about holding on to that promise. Maybe it's about a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe it's about a lost loved one. Maybe it's about a break. Whatever it is, get tenacious to hold on to your faith. God will do it. He'll bring it through. Get tenacious about your faith. Number three is this. Doubt is seeing the problem is bigger than God. Doubt is seeing the problem is bigger than God. Listen, I, I do not believe that doubt is sin. I, I do not believe, I don't believe, I, you know, it's just like sometimes we, it's like I hear people talk and it's, you know, maybe about struggles in their life and you're like, you realize temptation is not sin. Sin is sin. <laughs> Being tempted means you're not there yet. Is somebody with me? I mean, there's so many times where I, I've, been in, I've been faced with a situation and, and something presents, a circumstance presents itself. And my, my, my reaction, my, my knee-jerk reaction to it is emotion and it feels like... You know, it's a process that happens in the snap of the finger, yet it's like slow, slow motion and it feels like it lasts forever. But I, you get faced with a circumstance and you're like, oh, there's no way out. I mean, and, and we kind of were like, well, God can't do that. You know, it happens in a split second, but if we allow that to grip a hold of our heart, that's when we start going down the wrong road. We all contend when we face that wall. The difference between doubt and faith is, is to realize with conviction that your answer is on the other side of the wall, and the wall's not a permanent barrier, but God, that God's going to tear it down. Doubt is seeing the problem bigger than God. Don't let your doubt be your dead end. Don't let it stop you. Don't don't let, don't let your eyes focus on the circumstance more than God. I love Psalm 69.30. It says this, I'll praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. I mean, you guys have heard over and over and over and over and over and over. And I'm going to keep saying over and over and over what worship does, living a lifestyle of worship, Worshiping is that it magnifies God instead of the junk. So habits that magnify your problems. I, I know this is super practical right now just for a moment, but, but listen to me. Habits that magnify your problems, my problems, always have poor speak, always confessing the negative. Now listen to me. I don't have a whole lot to dive in here. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says something very specific about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there, there is a part of the prophecy that's listed in 1 Corinthians 12 as a gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says that it's given as the Spirit wills. But listen to me. I also believe that there is life and death in the tongue. Scripture also tells us that. 
So many times when we look at the circumstances and what us, we just give in to that. And by what we say and what we speak and what we confess, we just add power to it. When what we really need to do is speak some life. I know what the facts are. I know what the reality is. But faith is saying, you know what, I know what that may be. But we speak with faith of what we know God can and will do. Too many people feed on bad news gossip and naysayers. Feed on bad news gossip and naysayers. Listen to me. Ah, no, that's, I'm going to keep moving. The third one is this. Spend time with people with a victim mindset. Listen, I'm all, guys, you know us. You know our heart. We will be there for anybody at any time for anything. 100%. But I, you know, there's this thing, you know, either, or we're gonna, either, either, either we're going to let the fire spread or we're going to let the water put us out. The fourth thing is this given the taunting whispers of the enemy. You guys know I'm not one that I, I blame everything on the enemy. I'm one that thinks that because of our humanity, we do a good job on our own in a lot of things. But it doesn't mean we still don't have an enemy that's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's, there's too many of us that are giving too much real estate to enemy, telling us what's contrary to God's word. And so, habits that will magnify God. Worship in corporate worship. Worship, I know that sounds so simple. Worship and corporate worship. Listen, the Bible still says it hasn't changed. It hasn't been whited out. It hasn't, you know, not always had the magic eraser or whatever. In these days, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of one another. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that in these days, do it more. Do it more. Do you know why? Because you need to be connected with a corporate group of people that is seeking the face of God, seeking the heart of God, and worshiping God corporately. We also need to worship God privately. Listen, if the only time that you're in worship to God is on a Sunday, then, then you're really missing it. I, mean, I, just, I, don't, I wish I had some nifty, creative way to say that that maybe would plug in your heart and you'd remember it. But listen, you've got to worship privately. It's got to be a private thing for you. And it's, I mean, maybe it is listening to you know, the songs you like and worshiping God, but it's even more than that. There needs to be breath in our lungs that pass through our vocal cords that our lips and tongue starts moving and declare the things of God. Listen, I know by nature some of us may be quiet me. I am not that. I know. I get it. When we go in a restaurant, my wife positions me in a way that my voice doesn't project to everyone else in the restaurant because she says, I don't know how to whisper. <laughs> I understand that there's some wired like me and that there's some not. But it doesn't matter how you're wired or what your preference is. Listen, church. There has to be some, there's power and something vocally coming out of you that says, there's no one like you, God. 
Lord, I love you. I worship you. I declare that you are good. And one, there's something about when we get it out of our brain and our heart and through our vocal cords that adds power to it. The next thing is this, is the consumed testimonies of breakthrough, of healing, of deliverance, of salvation, of provision, and miracles. Listen, if you are struggling with depression, then don't, don't binge watch depressing shows. Right, anybody in the house? Right? I mean, if you're, if you're struggling with pornography, then quit watching rated our movies. I mean, some things you just don't have to pray about. It just takes common sense. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. Let, let's be practical. Listen, consume. If you're dealing with cancer, then you get on YouTube and say, people healed of cancer. Come on now. Find somebody in this church that got healed from something significant. Say, how did it happen? Tell me the story again. Consume testimonies of breakthrough, healing, deliverance, salvation, provision, miracles. The last thing is this, is engage with those living out faith. I mean really living it out. You know, and I would, I, you know, I, I don't even would need to point anybody to what who is, and you know who's not. You know whose life adds up to what they say they are and those that don't. Get together with like-hearted people, people full of faith, and glean and learn and allow them to pour into you. I know we have more. I'm going to pick up on that next week. We're going to stop right there. I want you to stand with me this morning. I've never, listen, it's so important to me to get the blanks filled in. This is hard right now. It's hard, y'all. But we'll pick it back up. I just really feel the need just to, just to stop right here for a moment. You know, I, 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 I don't preach this or say this in a way. I, you know, I, I feel like if I was one of the 11 disciples, I feel like if I was one of the 11 and I was in their shoes, I'd respond the same exact way they did. I, I, I don't think, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to say this in a way that, you know, to poke fun. I mean, they're the ones that wrote this. I mean, that's part of what makes Scripture so awesome is that these men carried along by the Holy Spirit, they tell stories about themselves that doesn't make them look good. And that's actually a, a prerequisite to know the to know the power of God's word and the authenticity of it. But I would dare say there's some in this room that maybe you're discouraged, maybe you feel defeated. I, I, I don't know exactly what that may be, but the reality is you, you feel overwhelmed some things going on in your life versus what God's word promises you. And there's been a struggle. There's been a, there's been a battle. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, I, I know God's good. 
right? I know God's good. I know that he answers prayer. I know, I know that he heals people. I know that he brings breakthrough. I know, I know what he does, but this is for me because that circumstance has been so big in your life. And I, what I'm hoping this morning does is tell you to get your eyes off the doubt, to get your eyes off the circumstance, and to put your eyes back on Jesus. You know, when I I read that story about Jesus, you know, and Peter sinking, and he reaches down, and, you know, he grabs Peter, and he says, oh, you a little faith. I don't know, I, I don't, I don't. I can't imagine that coming across in a tone of rebuke. But his love for Peter, of him saying, Peter, I've told you so many times, but I'm going to bail you out of this one too. Do you hear me? I got you. I got you. And I... I'm going to pull you out of this one too. Would you just quit looking with that double vision and focus on me? Just very quickly, every eye closed in this room. I just want us to pray for a moment. And as we pray, as we ask the Lord just to search your heart, Father, would I pray that the Holy Spirit right now would just stir in us and work in us. Lord, your word says, Psalm 139, that you search us, you know us, our inmost being, the depths of us. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such an honor that you would listen to our podcast. I hope and pray that you are ministered to in a very special way. Don't forget, this goes out on several different platforms. It goes out Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean. If you would, like, share, help us get the word out. If you want more information about us, just go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. God bless you.